Thank you, Carol, for those prayers. And good morning, church. Sunlin Phylok, Gong Hei Fat Choi. It's great to be with you today. I love this time of year and the festivities, the fireworks. Um, and so it's good to be together to celebrate. Our elderly visit is this coming Saturday, and we can only take 15 people this year, and I think we already have more than enough to take. But Philip was saying that if you want to record, uh, you know, Christmas, uh, not Christmas, Chinese New Year greetings and send it to him, either Philip, you can send it to the office, to myself, video those greetings and we'll send them and that'll be a part of the program this Saturday with the elderly. Now, just a word of warning, at the end of the sermon today, there's going to be an open mic time, and we're going to have a time where you get to share what has been something you've learned in this whole flourishing relationship series. It could be related to the primal questions. It could be when Kim spoke or Erica spoke, and some aha moment or something you're wanting to dig into. So we'll have an open mic time near the end, and you could be thinking about that now. Let's, before we jump in, let's pray. God, we thank you that you are here. We welcome your spirit into this place. May we see you and your love and your truth more clearly today. In your name, amen. So this is the final series, this final sermon on flourishing relationships. And we really, this gets down to our identity. And there are so many good verses in the Bible that speak to our identity. This one from Paul to the church at Corinth says this, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. This rootedness, this groundedness in God as his He's the father to us, his children. This gives us a place where we can then grow from. When this identity is really rooted and grounded, it gives us an incredible freedom to explore these questions with a sense of security. For those that might be first time today, we've been going through these questions here, these primal questions, these things that sort of underpin everything that we do. Am I safe? Am I secure? Am I loved? Am I wanted? Am I successful? Am I good enough? And do I have purpose? We've talked about some ways to get at those questions. And what are your triggers? What are the things that bother you so much? What gets you agitated? What are the things that are strengths for you that you bring into a relationship? Maybe a sense of safety and security and inclusion. Is there a particular message you have for the world? Or what are key messages you give to your children? These are some ways to get at that question. And what I would love to hear from all of you is what is your question? Some of you might not know, and that's okay, but I've talked to many of you um, over the last two months, and you've told me your question. And so this um, is this as big as that will get. So if you can, <laughs> it was bigger before the service started. Um, <laughs> And so what we'll have you do is to scan the QR code, and this will take you to a page where you can put in your question, which is your primal question. Am I safe, secure, loved, wanted? Am I successful? Am I good enough? There we go. That, and then when you scan that, you can put in the code there, uh, 74004342. So go ahead and scan that. Um, the first 50 that get in will have access to do this. Um, so I would love to um, hear where you are at on these questions. Now, 
I've gotten to hear from many of you individually what your question is, and this will begin to populate. You can still put in your answer. Um, if you can scan into that code, and um, we'll continue to populate this as people um, click on their answers. So let's, let's see that happen. If you need to get closer, those who are on the side here, feel free to walk up and scan it as well. Lots of freedom to, to move about uh, today. Give this another few seconds. Now, for me, most of these questions are questions that sort of touch upon you know, things that I wrestle with. Um, all but the first question, am I safe? I've never had sort of a sense of not being safe, um, whether that was sort of physically or um, <clears throat> for my health or emotionally. All right, so you can continue to populate. This is, this is uh, interesting. Okay, so nobody else has that question, am I safe? Um, so if that is your question, go ahead and put that in there. There probably is at least one person. But two of the main questions we see emerging, am I good enough and do I have a purpose? And, and that was really that last question there was a question that most, a lot of people that I talked to had as one of their primal questions that we were wrestling with. And our faith can give us this wonderful resource for a purpose-filled life, for meaning, and in fact, God's truth to us is a yes in all of these places, that you are loved, you are seen, you are safe, you are good enough, you have purpose. And yet, if we're real with ourselves, we know that these things can be triggered and can set us off and set us down the road. All right, we'll come back to this maybe at the very end and see if that's... Um, updated, but uh, that's great. Let's move on. So we'll zoom back out on this diagram here, and this is sort of this unmet need is fueling behaviors and emotions. When our answer to our primal question is a yes, then things are good. Yes, I do feel safe. Yes, I do have a purpose. But when it's a no or a maybe, we get sort of triggered. We get into this scramble and Often we're trying to get at a yes for that question and we'll do unhealthy behaviors, unhealthy ways of getting to that yes. It's basically a behavior that you learned as a child, a survival technique, a defense mechanism as a child to get to that yes. Am I loved? Well, what do I have to do to be loved? And <clears throat> as much as that works as a child, then that holds us back as an adult, if we think love is only transactional, we'll continue to go after that question. Now, what I want to do today is to see how can these primal questions help us grow in different areas of our lives. So the first one is for self-leadership, for your own relationship with yourself. One, reduce time in your scramble. When you're in your scramble, it wastes energy. It is upsetting. Um, you're triggered. And it's a waste of sort of your own energy. Now, will you always be able to answer your question with a yes? Probably not. But if you can reduce the amount of time of wondering, am I good enough? Am I loved? Do I have purpose? It frees up your time. And it allows you to live into your primal truth that, in fact, you are loved. 
two, it helps us to clarify what our needs are. Depending on your personality, you might sort of not bring up the things that you need in your life. Your primal question will let you know that I do need to feel loved or to feel safe or to be secure. It allows you to be proactive in communicating the things that you need for yourself and with others. Third, deploying your gift, bringing what you gift to the relationships, to the team, to the workforce, to your family. You have been given a gift along with this question. And finally, operating out of wholeness here, taking responsibility for yourself and your own growth. You don't have to blame other people. You don't have to be a people pleaser or feel powerless. You don't have to operate out of woundedness, but rather can operate out of wholeness. And this will begin to transform who you are and in your relationships. Brene Brown talks about the importance of belonging in her book, Atlas of the Heart. She says this, because we can feel belonging only if we have the courage to share our most authentic selves with people. Our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. Part of going after the primal questions allows us to accept who we are, to be real with who we are. Authenticity is one of our core values at Community Church, being real with one another and with God. And sometimes Christian communities can be the hardest place to be authentic. When our lives aren't lining up with Christ, we know that we're falling short, and sometimes we can be tempted to put up a facade that really we're more mature than we are, and we want to speak the truth into being real with one another, with ourselves, and with God. And then we can know belonging at a deeper level. Two, how can primal questions work for us in our relationships? A relationship cannot succeed if your partner or friend, whoever you're in relationship with, constantly answers your primal question with a no. If your question is, am I safe, and in that relationship, it's constantly a no, this relationship will struggle to work out. And so if that relationship isn't answering it with a yes, then it gives you something that you need to dig into. Second, similar to the first, you will struggle to stay connected with people who continually answer no to your primal question. Now, this is whether it's intentional or unintentional. You will not thrive in these relationships. You'll need to be real with yourself. It doesn't mean that the current status quo is how it's going to be forever, but it gives you something you need to work on. One of the privileges I get as being a pastor is I get to walk with people in their relationships through their highs and their lows, whether it's a, a couple who's trying to figure out how to do their relationship, or maybe perhaps way down the road and they're in the midst of a struggle. And one of the communication exercises I lead people through is each person being able to communicate what they need or what they want from the other person. And I coach them to really listen and to really be able to express what it is they need. And for the other person to listen, not to jump in with the solution right away, but to really hear it. Primal questions can help us to uncover what it is we really need. What do we need in the relationship itself? 
And some couples will have very practical things like I need more help around the house or I need more time with you. And some will go deeper below the surface that I need to be seen. I need to feel like you actually love me, that I am safe with you. These give us an opportunity to, to get at some of those unmet needs. I know for me, I've benefited in counseling relationships for myself, for Erica and I, going to a counselor when things are stuck, when they're blocked, when you know it could be better. And I would encourage the same for you, whether it's sort of a, a pastoral care appointment with myself or with the counselor, I recommend it. It helps us to flourish and to thrive. John says this in 1 John 3, 1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. There's a deep sense in the New Testament, New Testament especially about knowing Jesus, about knowing God, and not just intellectually knowing, but relationally knowing and trusting and depending on God. And we can know from this verse amongst many that God loves us generously, not stingily, not, okay, I guess I have to love you, but lavishly. We know we are included in his family. He is the one to include, to welcome in and God can answer our primal questions with a yes. This provides us with an incredible rootedness as we work out these questions in our lives. For those parenting or aunts and uncles to others' kids, um, how can this impact your parenting? One, be strategic in answering all seven questions for your kids. Chances are your question that you have will be an emphasis in your relationship with your kids. For me, probably number two was my top question, are you financially secure? And both of my kids could tell you how I poured into their lives in this area, like, okay, let's set up a budget, you know, spend less than you're making. You know, from an early age, they, they realized they needed to be responsible with your money. But if that was the only thing I was pouring into them, it would be a bit anemic in terms of their growth and development. So don't overly focus on your own primal question. Recognize all of the questions are important to your relationship with your kids or those in your care. How about primal questions for the workplace? One, bring your gift to your work, your team, and your project. If it's a focus on being successful, chances are you're fairly driven in that space and you want to line up things so they work out well. Employees won't fully commit to a company where their primal question is answered with a no. If they don't feel like there is a purpose for them there, if they don't feel cared for, chances are they will not be around very long. And finally, an employee can't hear a leader's feedback until you first answer their primal question with a yes. And I, and I saw this sort of years ago in sort of a, a pastoral quote of, they won't remember what you said, but they'll remember basically 
how you cared for them, how, how you said what you said? Are you really loved, right, by the people in your lives, or are you just filling a role? So for these questions, if you are in the workplace, whether you are in more of a supervisory capacity or a worker capacity, recognize these own questions for yourselves that you might be wrestling with or those of your employees. If it's, am I safe? And you send somebody an email on Friday saying that we're going to have to have a meeting on Monday, chances are that person is going to be anxious all weekend about whatever that meeting is. So maybe clarifying what the meeting is about. I realized years ago when I set up meetings with people, some people get nervous about what I'm going to talk to them about. And I was surprised by that. Why would they be nervous meeting with me, I thought. But if this is their question and they're not sure why I'm meeting, their mind might go in many places. And so I try to clarify with people, especially um, if I don't know them well, about the point of the meeting itself. So you can think through these for, do I have a purpose? Help the person that you're working with understand how they're connected to the whole, how they can make a difference in their work world. If they're good enough, be cautious with your criticism. Look for ways to encourage them. It doesn't mean you don't have hard conversations, but you're recognizing some of their soft spots and their triggers as you work alongside of them. See, love and belonging are irreducible needs for everybody. And as a church, we have a wonderful opportunity to actually live this out. We get so much encouragement from Scripture and so many metaphors about what it means to be a church. Paul loves the metaphor of being a body, of being connected. He says, just as a body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. We bring our gifts, our challenges, our hopes, our dreams our frustrations into this place. And when we can be real about those things and honestly connect with others, then we can be that body of Christ. We all have something to offer. We all have something to bring. We all have something that we need. When we feel a safety in the midst of the body, it allows us to be vulnerable, to open up, to be honest and real about ourselves. And that'll encourage us on our transformation journey. Dallas Willer, one of my favorite um, authors, mentors for me, says this, God is more interested in the person you are becoming than in your work, your ministry, or your job. This might be a truth for you today. And sometimes the part of who we're becoming is the least visible part. Going into these deep places, these questions, wrestling through, takes work. And yet, God invites us on this transformation journey. Paul says it this way in Galatians. He talks about this growth, and the metaphor he uses is fruit. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Fruit doesn't grow instantly. It takes time. So pressing into these questions, pressing into your faith, pressing in with others is a journey. And we welcome you to that place as we want to see growth. And you want to experience growth. You begin to relate to God differently, to one another differently, to yourself differently. And this is the journey we get to be on at Community Church. Now, I want to give some time to hear from you and so we're going to have an open mic sharing, and it could be about any one of the, the sermons in the series. It could be about your own exploration on this topic, um, something that you've learned, some aha moment that you've had, or how has this helped you with your growth? Do you have any plans to dig deeper into it, and how will you use this in your life? So I've asked Sam and Keith, the mics are up here, if you want to grab those. And they will uh, spread out in the room. Just lift your hand up, and Sam or Keith will bring the mic to you. And just a short sort of um, sharing, an encouragement, uh, a learning um, for the body of Christ here would be great. It always takes <clears throat> extra courage to go first, so an extra licey for the person who... Uh, no. <laughs> I have the mic. Oh, <laughs> Extra licey. Um, the first week when Pastor Wade, you talked about these seven questions, I was so shocked because my husband told me, it's a wonderful set of questions because I asked myself, I actually said yes to all these questions. I thought, mm. oh, really? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then I thought, wow, all seven, it must be God's grace in our family and mm. in our relationship mm. in all aspects of our life. And I really think back like maybe years ago, maybe not even 50% of the questions were, you know, mm. coming with a yes. So mm. I just want to give thanks to Pastor Wade for mm. reminding us to have a health check and to praise God for his work in our Great. lives. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Jenny. Yeah. And if you get the mic, if you could say your name and then uh, share your thought. Yeah. Hi, um, my name's Shirley Shu. Um, I want to thank you for doing this flourishing series. I wish I've learned this many, many years ago. And it was an amazing self-reflection. And I actually forward few our uh, online pieces to a couple other friends because I thought it was, they were very helpful. Mm. The one that Kim uh, Ho sharing last week and then Erica uh, uh, piece. It's it just not only from professional, secular perspective of really reflecting those are the... Because a lot of the things came from those Mm. And then that's how we relate to each other. And I thought, I, I'm going to go deeper into some of the, the, the studies and the books that you have mentioned. And it's really good roadmap for me to do self-discovery. Mm. Thank you. Thanks, Shirley. Yeah. yeah, Sheila up front here. Um, thank you. My name is Sheila. Um, I guess one aha moment for me was that I have been, I mean, there's a f certain family member who's, who, who seems to be difficult with a lot of issues. And the aha moment came when I look at those questions and I thought, 
he's being so difficult probably because he doesn't felt the love. You know, mm. he just didn't feel anyone cares. And that's why, they, I remember one of the things that was said was a lot of times we try to address the issue, uh, but that's actually just, be, but that doesn't work because we really have to address mm. what's behind it. Yeah. And that is um, in the answer to these questions. Yeah. yeah. No, thank, th you. thank you, Sheila. Yeah, and that's that's just it's it's helpful, right? To to see we see the behavior, uh, maybe our own or the other person's, and we think, oh, I just need to fix that behavior. But actually, if we don't go down to the root, it won't be addressing the real question. Yeah. Thank you. Others. Maybe questions as well that have stirred up for you during this time. Time for a few more. can also check online for those if I did not bring my phone up here so I can't see them directly but if they're online questions let's uh, we can hear those as well any other thoughts something that you've learned an aha moment yeah Karen hi I'm Karen I'm not sure if it's an aha moment sort of but um, I like the whole practical aspect because I'm a very very practical person so I really like the practical applications of the entire series. And I think that the whole idea of just uh, looking at the primal questions. And um, today you said that how you react, how you responded was basically coming from your primal questions. And when you said that, and I started to think about the way that I parent, I realized that the primal questions that I put down were not the ones that I was responding to. Mm. So what I was responding to were two different questions, mm. and that's how I've been parenting. But it was, I suppose, in a sense, like maybe I wasn't reflecting truly what my primal question was because I kind of suppressed those questions. Yeah. And so it was a kind of realization that it can also translate. But at the same time, the other questions that I might not be more aware of it helps me to now start to really think about what might be the other questions that I'm not, or I might be suppressing yeah, that I can yeah. then respond to. Yeah, we can put these, we can be kind of in a denial mode about it and we might not fully recognize how deep the root goes. Um, and so when you are continuing to mull these over in different lenses, it does help us to identify things that might be, um, you know, we might be in denial about really getting at. And I, I found it helpful to um, to talk to those you're close with, you know. Um, so we've had some conversations, you know, with the children, like about these primal questions. And it takes a certain vulnerability, right, to hear feedback from your children about these and what questions have you put on them. Maybe not always in the most healthy way, but yeah, thanks, Karen. Others.
Hi, Lisa here. Um, echoing what Karen said about it being, um, as a whole, I really enjoyed the whole series. Um, didn't want to say anything because I was waiting for some guys to say something, and so far it's all been female. But anyway, um, <laughs> I really enjoyed the, in the entire series because it brought a lot of different ideas and um, areas of discussion, um, not just here in, in church, but also in you know our daily lives. So speaking with my kids, my husband, and also with my colleagues. Um, we found it really interesting going through like the primal questions and then just discussing um, what it meant for us. So I think it just gives us a lot of, um, uh, I guess, clearer ideas of reflection in our own lives and in our own relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you, Lisa. All right, we, we heard Lisa's call out to have at least one guy share, all right? <laughs> And so one guy to, to muster up the courage to, to be willing to share. And I have one thing I'm learning over the years is incredible patience. And so, I mean, I don't have anything scheduled for lunch today and uh, would love to, to, to actually get to lunch. I'm sure you would as well. Uh, but do we have any guys that would be willing to, to share? I see lots of shoulder nudges and things like that. We have a, a lot of emotionally mature men in our church that I'm sure would have some, some aha moment. All right, we've got Drew in the front. All right, this is pure tokenism, so no <laughs> uh, I, I was just going to say I really appreciated what Erica shared on the prodigal son because mm. I'm, I'm surprised people don't find that a difficult story. And I know, speaking to you, Wade, afterwards, you're like, why, why would anybody find that a difficult story? I'm like, <laughs> why wouldn't anybody find it a difficult story? Can't you see the two characters? No. Um, so I guess that, that whole idea of identifying with different characters in the Bible and, mm. and hearing the different stories in the way that, that, that they relate, and that's one of the beauties, I think, of the way in which Jesus teaches us through parables and teaches us through stories, because it gives us that time to sit and dwell on those stories and mm. understand how the kingdom of God um, looks and feels and is. Um, so I just wanted to say that that was a really, I mean, it was a really meaningful sermon, I think, mm. from, from my perspective, and, and hopefully other people were able to sit with that and say, oh, there are people who struggle with the prodigal son. It's not all about celebration, but it is also about pain and, you know, um, walking day by day and living in a place where you have a difficult relationship with um, people around you or with the idea of celebration or redemption or whatever. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Drew. And after that, each of those sermons that she gave, I had a lot of people say the same in terms of, identifying with that elder brother. And um, a couple of you said our whole life group pretty much identifies with the elder brother. And um, those that missed it, it's on YouTube, um, as well as all the slides. Every week, all the slides are on our YouTube in the description. If you missed a slide, you want to go back and check it out. There's a link to those slides. Our family itself, Cody and Erica, identifying with the elder brother, and Maya and I with the younger. 
and there's something for us all in that story and about God's pursuit, God's welcome. And so, yeah, thank you. Can we uh, just go back to the chart just to see the final numbers that came up on the uh, online assessment to see how many people we had in each? Oh, wow, it's almost like stairs. <laughs> all right, am I good enough? And do I have a purpose? By far, the, the two main ones that hit at that. Um, but people across the spectrum, thank you for doing that. And thank you for being a part of the journey. Um, let's go to the time of the table. Welcome up the worship team as we come to you know what for me is the focal point of each of our service, and that is what Jesus has done for us. Remembering that He welcomes us to this table, that he celebrates with us, that there's a place for all of us at this table. I was um, sharing this week about, you know, God and the, the homes he would go to to celebrate. And he was, you know, accused of eating with sinners. He was accused of being a drunkard. And we can see God reaching to the margins as a part of his mission. And I think for most of my life, I saw that this is his mission. It's what he's doing. It's what he's about. But I, I think I didn't fully appreciate that he loved doing this. Like, this brought him joy to do this. He must have been enjoying wine at these meals to be accused of being a drunkard, right? And God enjoys communing with us as well. He's not sort of just putting up with us. He welcomes us. He wants to be with us. He reaches out far and wide to embrace everybody that wants to come to him. And this is the Jesus that we worship. That night, that very night, he knew those around the table would hurt him, would betray him, would deny him. And yet he did not withhold serving them. And he doesn't withhold serving us either. Jesus picked up the bread and said, this is my body broken for you. And he picks up the cup. This is the cup of the new covenant. In his blood, we can know his great love. God, we thank you for this table. We thank you for celebration, that celebration is a spiritual discipline, and we probably are hopefully getting chances to do that, especially this week. But we also look to the celebration we can have with you, and one day we'll ultimately have with you, sitting around a table in the flesh, and this is just a picture of that future engagement. This is a picture of looking backwards as well to what you have done, but it's also in the present, in this very moment, you meet us in the place that we need you, God. So we confess our need for you. God, we confess our need to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. May you grow us, God. May you give us courage to go to the deep places whether we're harming ourselves or others, God, we confess it. It's not how you call us. It's not how you desire us to flourish. 
So may we come to you open-handed, authentic, real, not bringing to you what ought to be in us, but bringing to you what really is here in us. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for second chances. We thank you for your incredible love. In your name we pray. Amen.